It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the mind of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Guestman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guessman, coming to you from Corner of the Galaxy Studios on Monday, March 4th, after the LA Galaxy's 2-1 season-opening victory over the Chicago Fire. So we're certainly going to talk about that, but uh, we have so much to talk about today. It's, it's kind of ridiculous, actually. Uh, going through it, this might be one of those podcasts that goes on for like four or five hours. Don't get your hopes up. People who are stuck in LA traffic... That's not going to happen, but what we are going to do is certainly get you through uh, the Giovanni Dos Santos buyout. Yeah, that happened before or after our last podcast. Uh, a lot of signing information, some statue unveilings, uh, The obviously the LA Galaxy's win, some rumors and some injuries, lots of stuff to get to uh, before we go away today to help me do that. Uh, it is Panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter of the LA Times. Kevin, how's it going, buddy? Even identified now in press conferences as Panda. I, I was going to say, that's everybody has to realize the, the surreal moment that I had, at least, whenever we're all sitting there. It was me in the front row. It was me. It was Larry Morgan not on Twitter, sometimes on VHS. That's a new joke that I don't know if everybody knows, but I'll try to explain it eventually when Larry's on again. Uh, but Larry Morgan uh, not on Twitter next to me. Then we had the Panda, um, and then you had your colleague sitting next to you. So Hernandez. We won't. We won't. No, I will not say. I'm not going to say it. So he, <laughs> The colleague who not be named will, will okay. not be named was sitting over there on the even if he did write a po- positive article about the LA Galaxy he was sitting over there so you had the four of us sitting in the front and uh, and we go to questions and we start going through questions and I raise my hand and, and I get acknowledged and basically told that that Kevin has one before me so I was like okay gave the little nod uh, and then I know it's Kevin's turn I know they're gonna say Kevin go ahead you're next to talk to Guillermo Barrascoloto and what do I hear out of Brendan Hannon's mouth but Panda go ahead right and I'm Panda in a press conference, Guillermo has to be sitting over there going, why in God's name do they call this guy Panda? No, I think I think he was thinking, what's a Panda? What's Spanish for Panda? But, um, you know, another thing is that we have there has not been a public sighting of Giovanni Dos Santos since he was on your pod last week. That's right. That's right. He was in studio. He was, quote unquote, in studio with us right here. Uh, and then he has he has since disappeared. So, uh, you know, where is he? Where is he? You I, told me he was there. He, he is in the cabinet. He is oh, okay. he is in the in the filing cabinet, put away under under B for buyout. I have to imagine, uh, but yeah, that's where uh, where Geo is uh, at least here in the studio. But yeah, I mean, just some crazy stuff going on just before. And Kevin, you and I had talked about it, and we had theorized. And you know, on Thursday night, I basically told everybody and said, "Listen, the only thing that makes sense to me in the entire world is." that the LA Galaxy buy out Giovanni Dos Santos because everything else gets sketchy for me and I think the Galaxy want to avoid sketchy. Um, So throughout the day on Friday, you had national media types getting up on said soapboxes, Kevin, and ranting and raving about how the LA Galaxy were going to cheat. They are cheating right now, as a matter of fact. Here comes the cheating. Um, And then the Galaxy do everything 100% by the book. Um, well, and I had been on Sirius XM doing an interview earlier that day, and I, I said unequivocally that the Galaxy would buy him out. It was the only option once they decided that Gio was their target. Now, if you had started earlier and said, well, uh, you know, what about Jonathan? And I thought there was a an, a really good option with Roman Alessandrini, which we talked about. Right. It wouldn't have taken much to buy him down under the 
level that they had to get under 1.5 million. And he really, really, really wants an extension. He wants to buy a house in LA. He needs to have a guarantee that's going to be here. He's even trying to get a green card. This guy was motivated to do something. If they would have come to him and said, look, we're going to cut your salary this year, give you the extension that you want. It's backloaded. You, you're going to make your money, just not this year. What do you think? He would have gone for it. I think he would have gone for it in a heartbeat. Now his, angels, his agent says no, but the agent acts at the uh, behest of the player. So I think he would have went for that. But to, to get back to Gio, I've been kind of able to piece together over the last few days, parsing some of the quotes and some of the things we've heard from from uh, Dennis DeClosa and, and from Guillermo. It, it appears as if when they when this problem arose, when they signed uh, uh, Zlatan to his DP contract in December, uh, Dennis came out right away and said, look, I know Gio. I know his family. We're going to sit down. He said we're going to have a heart-to-heart talk. Right. Um, and we're going to talk about his future. He was, And he said he was a brilliant player. The last couple of years have not been very good. So so Dennis got it. Clearly, Dennis knew what was going on. And what I, what happened was is Dennis went to, to Gio and appealed to his pride and just said, look, uh, you're not – playing at a level of a designated player you're not a six million dollar uh you're not a six million dollar man and so what we're going to do is we're going to uh, cut your contract and we're going to give you a chance to show what you can do we're going to allow you the opportunity to rebuild your career uh he, again it appealed to his pride we're going to allow you the chance to rebuild your career look you are going to be starting in this new offense right behind Zlatan he's a goal machine you're going to look great and then when you prove yourself again, then we can talk about a DP contract going forward. Um, it, that proved to be a non-starter. Guillermo, up until two weeks ago, really thought that this was going to work. He thought he knew Gio enough and could appeal to his pride and get him to accept that. It became obvious about two weeks ago, and that's when you started to see things turn. And what was once optimistic really turned pessimistic for, for Dennis and Guillermo. And when they realized that, look, Gio hasn't even shown up to train, much less uh, to talk about the contract, that he was just not buying this. And that's, I think, when they realized that they had trouble and that they had to buy him out. It was too late to go back to to Roman. It was too late to try anything with Jonathan. At that point, it was, we're going to have to buy this guy out. And and I, I, I don't think they really realized that until about 10 days ago. Yeah, it, well, you know, and I think that they were even wishy-washy the night before because as I was talking to people on Thursday night, I had heard that they don't know which dis- which way they're going to go, whether or not that's true or not. Um, you know, it came down to, and it certainly seemed to funnel because you heard all the reports on Friday mi- Friday morning, or at least you saw them on Friday morning, Kevin, and, and you and I were sort of sitting back going, this doesn't make sense to us, but it was saying, oh, the Galaxy are definitely going to tam them. They're definitely going to do that. They're definitely going to re- renegotiate that, and they could have been trying that all day. Who knows? But uh, just a little bit before 3 o'clock, Mr. Kevin Baxter of the LA Times over here, Big Panda himself, uh, launched uh, the tweet heard round LA Galaxy Nation here uh, as he announces that uh, Giovanni Dos Santos had been bought out by the LA Galaxy, which again fell into more of the way that you and I were thinking and less of the way that everybody else was trying to think and beat their chest about. And, you know, it, it was it was weird. It was a weird day, Kevin, to see people get so riled up about something that was not happening. Well, a couple of things. First of all, I, I do think Dennis really felt that he had a relationship with Gio and that he was going to be able to make this happen. And so why go up to the last minute? I, I really think it's it's just like you see a lot of court cases are actually decided when the when the jury is, is put together and the judge walks into the chambers. That's when all of a sudden people decide now they're going to cut a bargain because, the you know, the, the moment is here. The trial is going to start. I really think Guillermo thought that if you could walk Gio right up until the deadline and to the point where you say, look, you do not long, you no longer have a job. You have a paycheck, but you don't have a job. You're 29 years old. 
you're out of, uh, you know, your career is at, at a standstill right now. I think you really felt that that perhaps Geo would go for that. Um, it, it didn't work. But I do think that the Galaxy mismanaged this in a lot of different ways. I, I think you and I are both correct in assuming that it, it looked like this was a stalemate 10 weeks ago, mm-hmm. and they went right up to the last minute. And what they did by, uh, by uh, I think, mismanaging this news was, by waiting until the last minute, granted, that might have been the smartest thing from the roster compliance thing just to give Gio every opportunity. But once he started not to move, I mean, they made that announcement Friday, right after they dedicated the David Beckham field and right before they unveiled the David Beckham statue. All of a sudden, all that goodwill, all that positive press, um, you know, a lot of it still existed. But the fact that the Geo thing you know, went bad, went sour, and it uh, there were no winners in that. The Galaxy got rid of Geo. A lot of people think that's a good thing. Um, they had to get rid of $6 million, probably $6.5 million to do it. That's a bad thing. Just the separation was it was an ugly divorce, and it might have been something that both parties needed to do, but it was an ugly divorce, and it really did sort of uh, put a black cloud over the Beckham weekend festivities. Yeah, it, it did, and it also didn't, because for the people who really follow the LA Galaxy, it was huge news, and it certainly overshadowed it. That hardcore group of people, was that was the biggest news out of anything that was happening. You know, for the general media, you know, I saw a whole bunch of news cameras that I've never seen before, a whole bunch of reporters that have never covered the LA Galaxy were there because David Beckham was going to be there and blah, blah, blah. You know, it was the same thing that's that's been happening. And, you know, it was I, we sort of ducked out on that at, at Corner of the Galaxy. We didn't go cover the statue because we knew everybody else would be covering it. Um, and I know, Kevin, you went and actually, you know, looked at the field and, and, and the, the, the field dedication the whole time expecting that the Giovanni Dos Santos news was going to break as well. So, I mean, it was just, it, it just seemed like it did didn't need to last that long. Talking to Dennis Teclosa uh, at a conference call that w- that happened at about 3.45 on Friday, uh, I got the first question. I asked him, you know, why it took so long, and, and ultimately, you know, he said he was trying to be fair to the players. Uh, a lot of the stuff that you've heard him say, and he goes, but the, the big thing was it took longer than we expected. He, he admitted that, um, that it did take longer than expected. So, you know, you wonder... You wonder what that means. You wonder where that came from and and exactly how wishy-washy or how uncertain were of the future were they when they woke up on Friday? Um, Because, you know, to everybody who's sort of watching, the news seemed to be coming out that they were going to try to do something with Geo's contract, and then it swung back the other way uh, whenever you announced it, but not until you announced it. So really, it feels like either the Galaxy were putting out mixed signals to people who were trying to get sources, or they didn't know what the answer was going to be when they woke up on Friday, and that's just a, a weird situation to be in. Yeah, and I can definitely see the Galaxy being in both of those situations at the same time. I, w- I will say after the David Beckham field dedication, and by the way, the field is, is really, really nice. And after the field dedication, um, everyone retired to uh, uh, an auditorium in, at the Salvation Army Center uh, where David came in and he signed some, some autographs and things to, to be auctioned off, I suppose. Anyway, um, everybody was in there. Chris Klein was in there. Brendan Hannon was in there. All the Galaxy people. Uh, Cosmo was there. Uh, Dan Beckerman was walking around the just christened field on his cell phone, walking in circles, talking to somebody, a very animated conversation. My guess is that that's where they were making the final arrangements on, on how to handle the buyout, which, by the way, is the most expensive in MLS history. And I, and I think we need to talk a little bit about what does this mean? Yeah. yeah. My understanding is, and I know you're going to correct all of this, but basically what happens is the Galaxy buy out uh, the contract. They are responsible for paying whatever is guaranteed 
to Geo right now. Now, some of that can change if he goes to another MLS team. They have to pick up part, or if not all, of the contract. There, there are a lot of mat, mat, machinations. But where we are right now, the Galaxy are responsible for that contract. Contract. What the Galaxy gets back is a designated player contract. Remember, counts uh, as a maximum budget charge against the salary cap. That's five hundred and thirty thousand dollars in this case. The Galaxy get that back. They do not. They, they no longer have five hundred and thirty thousand dollars against the salary cap although they do with 3dp so i guess it's really a wash um but the the contract geo's contract although the galaxy owe the money guaranteed on the contract the contract remains with mls so mls can try to work out a transfer there's already rumors club america in mexico is interested i don't know if that's true certainly at the price it wouldn't be expensive if they worked out a transfer um, so MLS still owns the contract. They can transfer him. They can put him on waivers where he could wind up with another MLS club, although at a very high price tag. So I don't see that happening. This is a little bit, not exactly uncharted waters, but, but waters that very few people have tried to navigate before. The last person uh, to, to try this, the New York City FC tried it with mixed Discarood in 2017. Uh, they bought out his contract. That was only about three quarters of a million dollars, so we weren't talking about this kind of money. But they bought out his contract just before the 2017 season, and he was playing in Sweden on a loan by the end of the month. Yeah. Um. So so to go over, you know, what they get back and how that works, you're you're right in that they get the 530 back. It's just that that 530 back disappears right away. 530 thousand disappears because you basically have to use that for for Zlatan becoming the the third designated player. So there are still three designated players that each take up the maximum budget of $530,000 and that all goes that 530 all counts against the cap that's that's one of the reasons that they have that so there's a max budget charge for each of those three players but what they do get is that Zlatan Ibrahimovic was at one point Kevin a TAM player and was holding 1.5 million dollars in TAM so whenever they made him a designated player that TAM was opened up but we assumed that if they were going to buy somebody out or do something that somebody would come and occupy that space so there would be 1.5 million dollars being taken up by Roman Alessandrini or by Giovanni Dos Santos if he had chosen that. So by buying him out, the LA Galaxy now get that full $1.5 million in TAM. And you don't really know if it's all TAM in $1.5 million. You know that you can pay a player the maximum of $1.5 million in TAM, being a TAM player. Um, but that doesn't mean that you have to pay it all the way down to zero. And in fact, I think there's a minimum budget charge. So you can't even charge all the way uh, down to zero. But TAM is in use. Um, and so with that TAM now, you basically open up a spot to pay somebody up to $1.5 million in place of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who was there last year, and now with Gio not occupying it because he's gone, the Galaxy get that back. So that is $1.5 million, um, a sizable salary in Major League Soccer, perhaps enough for two players, depending on what you can do and how far you can buy below the budget in order to fit everybody on this, uh, on this roster, but you get $1.5 million. And as we talked on Thursday... Um, Kevin, you know, we were talking about the uh, the transfer fee uh, that they got for Ola Kamara, which sounds like it's maybe just shy of $3.5 million, or, or we just use 3.5, which really nets the LA Galaxy about $2.625 million in uh, in total money that they're able to convert some of that to general allocation. What's Kamara's salary, which was up about nine twenty, Yeah, around nine twenty five. So you get the nine twenty five salary back, plus you get up to $750,000 in general allocation money. So there's this whole pool, and Kevin, you said it, it's basically around, what, five or 
six million dollars that uh, right. the... and what's really interesting is Kamara's body wasn't even cold yet before Guillermo and Dennis were both talking about uh, where they were going to spend it and and Dennis mentioned again in the conference call to talk about Geo going and the money they were saving there um, and the Galaxy by the way called me aside and quietly whispered in my ear and said when you write this story about the buyout make sure you you talk about uh, all the resources we have going forward. And Dennis and Guillermo talked about, look, we've already been scouting. We already have targets. I think Dennis said they, they might even have somebody in this as early as this week. Yeah. They know what they want to do with that. This money is not going to, is burning a hole in their pocket right now. This is not going into the bank account, uh, you know, for future considerations. They're going to spend this money like drunken sailors as fast as they can. <laughs> well, well, we'll see. I think certainly think on one player they are, but they really have the resources to go out and get I'll say it, you could easily get three players for the amount of money that they have right now, uh, depending on you know how it all hits against the salary cap and how they do that. Um, and they may even be able to get as much as four. But um, the minimum is two players. And if you look at the LA Galaxy roster, it's 23 players right now. Um, right, so and, they, and with the injuries, they, they had two teenagers among the 18. And now, uh, granted, Ephraim is one of them, and he turned the game around. I get that. But the fact is, name another MLS team that started the season with an 18 that included two teenagers. Yes, yeah, 16 and 17 year old. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, Julian Araujo here in just a second because that's crazy as well. Um, just the signing of Julian Araujo almost blows your mind whenever you figure what they had to do in order to land this 17 year old and how they couldn't even wait six months. And we, we can talk about just to wrap up the geo thing. The bottom line is there's money to spend now. Um, it was the smartest decision in terms of the flexibility the LA Galaxy now have. It was just the most expensive decision in terms of getting that um, that flexibility, Kevin. So, I mean, I think they made the right move. It was the expensive move. Um, this now allows the LA Galaxy to do a bunch of things. And like you said, burning a hole in their pocket. And certainly uh, there's going to be some acquisitions coming in now and possibly even in the summer as well if you hold off and, and wait to see and, and make your team better. So um, that was that was our Friday. I mean, really, you, you had the field unveiling. I want you to talk about that real quick. Just you, you, you mentioned it, but uh, overall that was a great event, right? It was a good event. It was a you know a, a sort of a typical um, Galaxy event. Look at us. Look at all this good stuff we're doing. But uh, there were some good moments, and I got a chance to talk to David one on one afterwards. Uh, first of all, there uh, he came out. He played with the kids. He was he was great with the kids. Um, he got up and made a very uh, a very well received uh, speech where he talked about how when he was growing up, he didn't have a, a place like this to play. All he had was a dream, a dream that he wanted to play for Manchester United and the English national team. Apparently back then in his dreamy days, he didn't think of the Galaxy, probably because they didn't exist, I think, when yeah. he first started. Yeah, that's probably But it. anyway, he, he talked about um, how you know, he took to the, to the streets and played soccer in the streets, uh, and, but he followed a dream. He had a dream, and he, he told the kids, you know, now you have a safe place to play, a safe place to come out here. You have your own dreams, and they may not be to be a soccer player. Maybe you want to be a lawyer or an architect or a doctor, but, you know, follow your dreams. And so it was that kind of inspiring thing. One thing that was interesting is there were some Galaxy fans that showed up. Uh, and uh, they were I knew they were Galaxy fans because they were all wearing Galaxy jerseys, a lot of them throwback jerseys. Uh, the field was fenced in, and these fans were standing outside the fence. And at one point uh, during David's speech, a woman called out, David, we love you. And he turned and said, I love you, too. And then uh, when it was done and David started playing with the kids again, some of the Galaxy fans started uh, chanting at David, hey, come say hi to the fans, come say hi to the fans. And he did. He broke away from the kids and went over and, and greeted the fans and, and signed autographs, I believe, and posed for selfies. So that was really good. And, and the fans were on his mind. He mentioned, the, I think, the same thing at the statue dedication that he told me after uh, his speech at the field about the fans. And, and he 
he kind of rued the fact that they got off to uh, a bad start when when he signed the Galaxy contract and immediately went off on loan to Milan. Right. Um, but he he said he said the fans were incredible. This is his quote. He said the fans were with me and they were incredible from day one. So we had our challenges when I went on loan and things like that. But one thing I'll always say about Galaxy fans: their loyalty is incredible and their passion is incredible. I will always hold the Galaxy fans as some of the best that I played for. So I thought that was kind of a nice thing for him to say about the fans. And he, for those of you who feel like perhaps David maybe isn't the guy who should have gotten the first statue, there will be more statues, by the way, in that plaza. But for those of you who feel like Gal- like perhaps David shouldn't have gotten the first statue, I asked him about that. Um, I said, do you feel sheepish about it? And he said that he did. And he said, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are from L.A. and fans saying, okay, there's so many other people that also deserve it. He mentioned Bruce Arena. He mentioned Landon. And he mentioned Robbie Keane. Um, He said he's very proud of the fact that the Galaxy picked him as the first person. But he admits these other people deserve it and that he is going to, uh, uh, you know, uh, do what he can to make sure that they're recognized as well. Yeah, I think Robbie Keane, during his remarks at the statue unveiling, and we'll, we'll transition a little bit into the, the statue unveiling, Robbie Keane saying, you know, I hope he, I hope David's here next year whenever they unveil my statue, right? So Robbie Keane uh, lobbying for a statue that he doesn't need to lobby for, Kevin, because uh, that man is going to get a statue. Um, in there. I don't know when it comes. I don't know how soon it is, but between Landon Donovan, Robbie Keane, Kobe Jones, uh, Mar- Mauricio Cienfuegos, maybe Doug Hamilton, Siggy Schmidt, and Bruce Arena, there's, there, I've already filled up the LA Galaxy statue uh, uh, a plaza there all, all, all in one, one sentence. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's all going to happen. I think that's great. There, there's, some, there's some controversy now, though, with the statue. Um, and, and I would say, Kevin, it's not even so much that the statue bears a a kind of close resemblance to to, to David Beckham. I'm not going to say it's spot on. Um, it it kind of looks like him, which is which it's, is always it's better good. than the Ronaldo statue. It's but I mean that's a low bar to set. I might be yeah. able to do a Ronaldo statue that's better than the Ronaldo statue, and I have no artistic talent whatsoever. So I mean the the big controversy now, outside of the fact that he was the first I've one, never seen that pose before in a galaxy uniform. <laughs> I was going to say there's the actual pose itself. Now apparently David was given choices of what poses he wanted to sort of portray. Um, and the one that he wanted to portray for the LA Galaxy one happens to be one from him in a PSG uniform. Uh, so the the actual photo that looks the most like that pose is from PSG and not with the LA Galaxy. Now, I don't know about you, Kevin. I remember that there are so many iconic poses from David Beckham during his time with the LA Galaxy that it would be hard-pressed for me to find one that maybe you couldn't turn into a statue that sort of represented his time both as David Beckham and two as as LA Galaxy David Beckham. Um, well, they, if they want to come by the LA Times anytime we can go through our photo library we have hundreds of photos of David Beckham and all kinds of iconic poses but you know what I mean it you know the statue is a great idea. The field was wonderful. Kids are going to benefit from this. I don't want to be the, the, that guy who's dumping all over everything. But, man, the Galaxy just really – and I, I think it has to do a lot with their arrogance that, that they think whatever they do is going to be okay and they're going to make it right. Once again, the Galaxy kind of just messed up their own event. I mean, this was a feel-good moment. And, again, they they messed it up by, by not being in tune to – how people might react to see the statue in front of the stadium is actually 
uh, from a game in in Paris. Yeah, well, I'll say this. I'll say this in in their defense a, a little bit, and and you know, take this for what it's worth. I mean, it's of him taking a free kick or of him kicking a ball, and he does that all the time. And I'm, I imagine the pose would be fairly similar in all those situations. But at the same time, you had David Beckham, you know, holding an MLS Cup with the uh, the flag draped, the the English flag uh, draped draped over his shoulders. I mean, that's iconic. That's an iconic one. I mean, he had goals against Portland where he stands in like this defiant. He hits these ridiculous. I don't think it was a free kick. I think it was from the field of play against Portland. He has a couple of them against Portland, but he whipped in something and he stands there and just stares down the whole Portland Timbers, um, you know, the, the, their whole cheering section right there. I mean, these are the iconic David Beckham poses that you could have put in there. I mean, Granted, I, I think David did get a chance to pick this one, and like I've said, if that's the case, that's fine, and he does it, but at the same time, if you're the Galaxy, you wanted to represent his time with the Galaxy, not just David Beckham, and I think they missed the mark on it, and so, you know, does it matter in the big scheme of things? No, but I guarantee you, if they go do the next one and it's Robbie Keane, you're not going to find Robbie Keane in some, you know, Spurs um, uniform, and that's the pose they use for his statue for the LA Galaxy. It just It just doesn't make any sense to me. I think Robbie's are going to involve a shaking fist. Shake? No, I think he's. They're going to figure out like the end. The end of his like somersault cartwheel flip yeah, thing. Yeah, thought about be, that maybe too. Yeah, uh, maybe the one where he's kicking in Williamson's goal. <laughs> Williamson's goal. Yeah, right? cr- yeah, Christian Wilhelmson. Wilhelmson. Yeah. yeah, that's who it was. Yeah, when it was inches from the line. Yes, that one. Maybe the statue should be Wilhelmson's reaction should, to that moment. That still, it would be a great that's scene. The Robbie Keane statue. I'd pay a lot of money to be able to see that. But anyway, I mean, that's it's just those little things, and it's like, uh, does it matter in the big scheme of things? No. Nobody's really going to notice that, and somebody will forget about this podcast and forget about this for a while. But for the Galaxy fans who would who were already had a little bit of reservation about the David Beckham statue going up because he shouldn't have been first, you then go and you sort of like you know throw a little salt in the wound. It just it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And yes, I'm sure you could find a photo of David Beckham looking almost exactly the same. But when you see it, you click when you see the PSG photo, and the Galaxy put up a making of video, so you can see the photo. Right, it's it's of him in a PSG outfit, in, in an outfit kit. And, and you know when the next time David Beckham is going to see that statue yeah. is when he comes back as the owner of Inter Inter Miami. That's right. That's so right. He's going to be the owner. The the first statue in front of the Galaxy Stadium is of the owner of another team. Oh, don't you just you you stop throwing salt. We're done. That was it. We're we're good. I I agree. Oh, you I could know. have picked the San Diego Soccer's player. I know you could have. He's still playing, so you can't have a statue of him. He's still playing. You have to wait till he retires. Uh, Robbie Keane's probably next on my list of the guy. Uh, three MLS Cups. David Beckham didn't win an MLS Cup until Robbie Keane was uh was there so well look we'll at see. that i mean that the the mls coach of the year award is named after a galaxy coach and ziggy schmidt the mvp award is named after a galaxy player and landon donovan uh the first statue uh, in front of a stadium in mls history is of a galaxy player albeit in a psg uniform right um the galaxy kind of cornering the market on a lot of this stuff they, hey you know that's uh that's what it takes i i said this during the giovanni dos santos um sort of uh you know that's going to be the buyout of the year award yeah, yeah, it's, it's the buyout of the, the uh, Gio dos santos award no i was going to say it, it, it was saying this but the galaxy had everybody in major league soccer all the reporters all the general managers all the owners all the fans paying attention to them on friday morning um, so if the if the focus was to make sure that everybody was focused on the LA Galaxy on Friday morning, then you have to say the LA Galaxy did what they wanted to do with the Giovanni Dos Santos buyout because any bit of news, because there was news, and the news came out in a weird way, 
with the Julian Araujo signing, and that was that the LA Galaxy had, for $50,000, jumped to the top of the waiver pile um, over over top of the Colorado Rapids, basically, um, in order to be the number one in the waiver pile. And so the rumors started for about 35 or 45 minutes that, oh, something nefarious is happening. The LA Galaxy are in, in, in prime cheating mode again. And I saw it. I saw the rumors uh, coming in here. And they said, oh, now they're going to try to waive Roman Alessandrini, then pick him up off of waivers. And whenever you waive him, then you could do... I mean, th- I love the conspiracy theories. At least people were thinking outside the box. But again, what the Galaxy did not Instead, was pick up Julian Araujo, 17-year-old academy product, Julian Araujo. And everybody goes, well, why isn't he just a homegrown player? Doesn't that make the most sense? He's with the academy and everything goes down. But it turns out that in order for Julian to get to be a homegrown player, he needed another six months in the academy. And the LA Galaxy, because of injuries, and probably because of their budget constraints, certainly at the time, went ahead and waived Julian Araujo. Um, and then picked him up off of waivers and was able to sign him to a contract. Now, the reason that they had to do that, they couldn't just sign him to a senior team contract from the LA Galaxy Academy because he needed a way into the league. And outside of any drafts or anything else that is happening, you need to be able to come into the league in a certain way. And so Araujo was placed on waivers. Um, And then the LA Galaxy made sure that they were number one in the waiver list, Kevin, and they picked up Julian Araujo. It's an incredible amount of work to do to pick up a 17-year-old right back who's going to be your backup this year and who, if you would have waited six more months, you could have had on a homegrown player deal. A homegrown player deal, Kevin, means that the salary doesn't hit the salary cap up to a certain amount. It means that they're exempt from expansion, um, expansion drafts. Um, There's a whole bunch of benefits that come with being a homegrown player, and the LA Galaxy decided that it was not worth the wait the six months, or they couldn't afford to wait the six months to sign Araujo to a homegrown deal. Instead, uh, they signed him to a senior senior team deal at 17 years old. So he is a senior team player now, but it was uh, one... I think an unbelievable move by Dennis Teclosa to be able to figure out all of the mechanisms to be able to get Araujo and then to orchestrate that all to make it happen and get it done. And two is I think it showed sort of the LA Galaxy's mismanagement of the budget over the last couple of years that the Galaxy needed to sign a 17-year-old as a right back backup um, without being able to do much else. No, you hit on two things. One, the mismanagement of the previous years. We are still going to be living down the the misdeeds of the previous uh, regime, many of whom are still there, but the mismanagement that happened over the last couple of seasons, it's going to still haunt the team for a while. And Giovanni Dos Santos is part of that. Um, You know, the previous coaching staff did not want him and certainly did not want him to sign a four and a half year contract. So um, that I think falls on, on the previous regime as well. Um, but the fact that Dennis was able to figure this out and the machinations he had to go through and it was convoluted and it was complicated. And yes, you know, you can argue perhaps he should have waited, but what he wanted to get done, he wanted to get this kid signed and he wanted to have him on the opening day roster. And he had to go, uh, through a lot of, uh, work to get that done, but he understood how to do it and he did get it done. And I think that's the good thing. You, you have him trying to make up for the mistakes of the previous regime with, uh, an incredible understanding of how the rules work. So I, I think that's good going forward. Now, did you mention, have we talked about already? It's, it's already a long show. Um, the, uh, 
the the foreign roster spot. No, I have I Columbus because that's important too. Yeah, let me let me get to that. So uh, we had a listener of ours, Kevin, actually message me um, and say, "Hey, I'm checking the league website, and it looks like the LA Galaxy picked up a roster spot." This was on Friday night, I believe, uh, and I said, "Okay, uh, well, let me wait see. a minute. Go yeah. back. Yeah, we have a listener on a Friday night yes. checking the league's website. Yes, absolutely. That." that that is good and sad at the same time. Hey, that's great that he that he tipped us off to he or her tipped us off to this. But holy crap, get a life! Don't be <laughs> reading the, the league website on a Friday night. Going go out, have fun. It wasn't just the league website; it was the roster compliance section of that each team has that shows. Oh, that's all, good reading right all, there. Hey, I it's one of my favorite places. I just hadn't checked it recently, and this person checked it. Uh, he looked at it and said, "Okay, the LA Galaxy picked up an international slot." So here's what I was able to confirm before the game on Saturday uh, with the LA Galaxy. And by the way, the details of this have not been released yet. Even though I asked again today, they said that they'll get that for us probably sometime later this week and they'll announce it. But it has already happened. And, you know, whatever you say about the league, they're just going to take slow time uh, apparently announcing it. If it's already happened, it's already been on the league's website. Why do we have to wait for it to be announced? This is another... Don't get me started on the Mickey Mouse MLS. I know. I know. I know. That's how it goes. Uh, The LA Galaxy acquired an international slot from the Columbus crew. Um, This is probably, and I was told, that it's probably for some combination of general allocation money and targeted allocation money, which means that they do have to say what it is, how it was, and how much of each of those things was used because that's part of the league rules now. So we will find out. But what it does is, with Giovanni Dos Santos going away, they got back an international slot whenever he was bought out. So they had seven of their eight filled because at one point with Gio, they had eight. Um, then they went out and they got this one from Columbus. Again, we don't know the total price of what that jam and tam is, but that gives the Galaxy now nine roster slots with seven of those roster spots being filled, which means the LA Galaxy can bring in two internationals. And as Kevin, you rightfully said, the LA Galaxy have a hole in their, uh, are, are, their money is burning a hole in their pocket. Um, and the fact that they go out and get a roster slot, um, an international roster slot, tells you that there's there are two targets that are likely to be brought in, and both of those targets seem to be international because you don't go out and get another international slot whenever you already have one open if you're not planning on filling them both because it costs you something to send to Columbus. You know, there's targeted allocation money, right, TAM, and there's yes. general allocation money, JAM. We need, like, wonderful allocation money, and we'd have wham. WHAM. That was a good band, by the way. Wow. Or we could have horrific allocation money, and that could be HAM. We need to st- stop working on these things. This would be great. Hey, this is this is my, my bread and butter here. The only reason that I'm any sort of an MLS slash LA Galaxy expert is because I can keep some of this stuff straight, all right? Yeah, Don't- I know. You do a good job about that, and, and I just, I just uh, my eyes gloss over. I know. I know. We always try. Kevin and I argue on the phone all the time about stuff. I'm like, no, if you're, if you're writing your article, you need to say this about Jam and this about Tam. And he's like, nobody cares. Nobody knows that stuff. It's too difficult to try to explain it all. And you write to a more general audience than obviously I do at Corner of the Galaxy. I'm talking to the experts. Uh, you're talking to you know LA, the most of LA who hopefully well, I'm trying to make it so I understand it. How about <laughs> marvelous allocation money, ma'am? ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Um, yes, so, so that's where that's where we go. So that that is what it what has happened so far with the LA Galaxy. That is leading up to the game. I think we got all of the the check marks. Thirty five minutes or so into the show, Kevin, we've finally gotten all the stuff where we can actually talk about the season opener that the LA Galaxy had against the Chicago Fire. Unless there's anything else that you think we need to cover in there. Well, um, no, I mean it, it. It was sort of a wild introduction to the season, and I, I guess the one thing is I, I've already bagged on the Galaxy a couple times here. One of the things that that Dan Beckerman t- uh, got angry about a couple years ago when when they made the move to um, 
trying to fill the roster with academy spots is he said, you know, we are not cheap. We are not cost cutting. We will spend money when we need to spend money and when it's appropriate. And I, I guess you have to give them their due because they did sign Zlatan to the largest ever single season contract in MLS history. Clearly they needed him. Um, he was worth it. They signed him to him. And then they they swallowed hard and they bought out Geo. Now, there could be something that, that – another shoe that drops. There could be – you know, they arranged to sell him to Turkey for $6 million and it really didn't cost them anything. The fact is, as we uh, all we know right now is they spent 6 to $6.5 million to get rid of Geo, basically to sign Zlatan as a designated player and to get rid of Geo. Zlatan cost $13.5 million, probably worth every penny of it. Don't forget, the reason they had to do that is because the previous front office locked them in. And remember, you and I told Chris Klein, or asked Chris Klein, we should say, when they signed Jonathan, we said, now you've signed Jonathan for two years. Turned out that was not accurate. He's signed for much longer than two years. But we said, now you're locked in on on DPs. You were locked in on DPs through 2019 with the end of this season. What are you going to do if... Zlatan decides he's going to come here, and uh, th- that proved to be sort of uh, a, you know a good crystal ball because that's exactly what happened. So the f- the fact that they spent the money, hey, that's great. That you know they needed to do that, and they did it, and and they they opened up the wallet and they did what they needed to do. The fact that they had to do it again goes back to the mismanagement of the previous regime. I think. Yeah, I mean, again, this is what they this was the correct move, and we should give them you know the props for that, Kevin. And and like you said, we you should give them the prop. They spent more money than probably. Probably um, a bunch of teams would think about spending, maybe outside of Atlanta United, um, you know, on the Galaxy. And we've always said that, you know, AEG has the pocketbook to be able to back all this stuff. And it shouldn't be that big of a surprise when they go out and and try to do these things. Um, And so they did it. And that is that is a big takeaway. They went out and they spent a ton of money to be able to give the LA Galaxy the the roster freedom, the flexibility and the players that, you know, quite honestly needed to be on the team. They could have told Zlatan Ibrahimovic, hey, we don't have a. We don't have a, a DP slot for you because everybody's locked in. But instead, they went out and they they swallowed hard on the six and a half million dollars or six million dollars, whatever it ends up being. Maybe it'll be less. Who knows? Um, you know, if we find out what it is, we'll we'll report it. But whenever it comes through to all this, you look at it and say, okay, the LA Galaxy did what they needed to do in the off season. Kevin, you and I talked about they had to keep Zlatan Ibrahimovic and they had to figure out a way, um, you know, to to deal with Giovanni dos Santos. They did both of those things. They reinforced the defense to some degree, and I think they're going to do more of that and we can talk about that through the through the Chicago game and how that sort of manifests itself um, but you, you can look at that they've they've really done all the things I think the fans asked of them in the offseason slash you know leading up to this first game they did all the things they needed to do and with 23 roster spots filled right now um, and that's it there's 30 total that they're able to add um, and they have two homegrown players so they can do 30 they can add seven more players to this roster and they're probably going to need to because there's still some guys who are who are uh, who are injured and, and a whole bunch of other stuff so we move now on to the game against the Chicago well, fire no, yeah wait, wait not, not no I was not say uh, I just one more thing on that is one of the ways that Dan Beckman explained it to me and I thought this was a really good explanation um, about how they use their money he said imagine I'm, I'm driving to the airport and I want a cup of coffee and I pull into the drive-through and uh, you know they tell me the cup of coffee costs twenty dollars he goes I got twenty dollars in my pocket and I want the coffee but the coffee is not worth twenty dollars so you don't spend it and I I think Basically, the what this means is Zlatan's worth $13.5 million, and so they did spend it in this case. Before we move on to the game, though, we need to talk about 
Pamela Anderson perhaps elbowing aside you, Becky you, G as you, the number one wag you don't on need, the Galaxy roster. You don't need to do that. We're going to talk about the game, and then we can talk about oh, Pamela okay. Anderson. All right, Just so this, relax. This is preview. not the Hang yeah. on, fans. It's coming. That was a tease. It was a good tease. That's Pamela tease. Anderson? Right. At LA Galaxy Games, next to Becky G. Just wait and find out. There, that was my After best. After this message. <laughs> yeah, what, what can we sell? Uh, Corner of the Galaxy has uh, has Best in the Galaxy t-shirts still for sale right now. Head on over to... I heard to about that. Pandalus pa- t-shirts. Pandalus, that sounds... It almost sounds dirty when you say it, and I don't know why. I One, it's probably because I know you, and two, because it almost sounds dirty. Uh, but anyway, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Click on the shop button. $20 gets you a shirt, or $20 gets you a scarf. Either way, click the shop button. Support the show. There we go. Now back to our normally scheduled programming where we're going to talk about the LA Galaxy playing against the Chicago Fire. Uh, and Pamela Anderson coming right up. But that's that's afterwards. You've got to stop okay. forcing it. It's coming. I promise. Uh, LA Galaxy 2-1 to over the Chicago Fire. This is the season opener. Uh, it rained for most of the day, Kevin. Uh, somebody asked me what had happened to the field because players were falling all over the place on both sides of the ball. And I said uh, it rained all day. That pretty much, and it's rained a lot. So I have to feel. I have a feeling the field was a little soft underneath, and it was a little slick because of the rain. So you add those two things together, you're gonna have people falling so, all over. So Zlatan each other. looked like he was on a slip and slide, didn't he? That yeah. one time he had that breakaway. Yeah, Zlatan. Zlatan changed shoes during the game. Uh, Antuna, we think, went through three pairs of shoes because he changed in the middle of the of the first half. He changed. Then whenever, so he came out in one pair of shoes. He changed shoes in the middle of the first half, and he came out in a third pair of shoes. Um, so guys were changing, trying to find footing and trying to find the correct cleats for the grass and everything else in between, uh, which was interesting. It wasn't as cold as I thought it was going to be, which is good. Uh, the stadium actually had a bunch of people. I, I know there were people who didn't show up because it was raining and cold. I get it. And that to me, that makes that's a, that's a SoCal state of mind and a lot of things. Um, but there were a lot of people there at a season opener and it didn't really rain anymore once the game started. Um, and I think that also, you know, led to, to a pretty good atmosphere. So, I mean, just driving up, Kevin, obviously with the uh, statue unveiling, starting everything off that day uh, with the plaza opening there, starting everything off and then everybody transitioning into and, and I went around and saw some people at some tailgates uh, eventually transitioning into the game. I mean, it, it was it was good to be back. And, and the first thing we saw whenever we got in the press box was, of course, our Siggy Schmidt uh, Memorial uh, Black Armbands. Uh, uh, at, yeah, that was a nice moment, the uh, a moment of celebration instead of a moment of silence. Yeah, it was it was it was good. And so you heard it around the stadium, also in the press box. We were clapping as well. Uh, the press box, some of the people in the press box were wearing their Siggy armbands. I had mine on. I think Larry Morgan, not on Twitter, had his on. You had yours on. So there was a, there was enough of us there to uh, to represent. And obviously, and, as you said, Kevin, we spent a lot of time with Siggy. So I, yeah. I think I think it was only fitting that we, we had him on as well. And then there was the second best national anthem in the last two seasons. Second best, that's right. Uh, Malia. I think the first one was better. She, I, yeah, well, of course, but you didn't know what to expect for the first one. It's always yeah. going to be better. The, the the bar was was more more difficult. She's still impressed at seven years old. The girl can still sing. Malia Emma uh, again with the uh, with the national anthem, which I think now she just has to sing every anthem because the Galaxy yeah, won. Yeah, Galaxy are two and zero with her. Yeah, that's right. So uh, you had her there. Um, you had a halftime ceremony of David Beckham coming in and, and doing the Ring of Honor. That was kind of a cool moment as well. The LA Galaxy had a cool stage that they put out that was in the shape of an LA Galaxy logo. That's cool. I don't know. For me, the production side of things, I liked it. Uh, they, of course, spelled congratulations wrong on the on the, on the the ribbon boards, apparently, going around whenever David was inducted into it. But, hey, you know, opening it. It's, it's, 
It's the first game for everybody, Kevin. All right? It's the first game for Maybe everybody. Maybe it was the British spelling. <laughs> yeah. that? Or the PSG spelling. Or the, it has the, spelling in Paris. The, the French spelling, of course. I, yeah. I didn't think of that at all. Um, okay, so we go through. Here's what's... It's a two-to-one win. We have some big takeaways from it. I mean, my first thing that I have to say is that, and Kevin, you've mentioned it, the Galaxy are really injured. Um, there aren't a lot of guys available to start in this game, and you saw it by starting who, by the way, we predicted they would start. I mean, it wasn't hard to predict who they were going to start in this particular case just because all you had to do was say, all right, who's healthy, um, and then sort of put everybody in there. And so you looked at a 4-2-3-1 formation, Ibrahimovic at the top of that, Cuello underneath, and we knew that the weak spot possibly could be Cuello because he's a rookie. Um, coming in as a draft pick, but they don't have anybody else because Legette was injured. Um, Perry Kitchen was injured. Uh, you had Juninho injured. So in the center of the field, they were basically down to uh, to Cuello. And so Cuello got the start and Carrasco got the start. And so those were the worries, I think, for the LA Galaxy. And Alex- then 20 minutes in, it got worse. Yeah, Roman Alessandrini goes down with a right hamstring injury, um, which uh, people... They used to have about 11,000 midfielders, and now they have none. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, they're, even to the point where you wonder if they're going to bring back Bradford Jameson um, back from loan because he is somebody who could fill in at that right side. Um, so maybe that's a short-term callback that you could possibly do because you're going to need you, you need some bodies all of a sudden again. Mike, Mike McGee. Mike, Mike McGee was there at the game. Todd Donovan was there at the game. Um, Suit him up. Suit him up. Put him, put him in there. They, they got the roster spots. They could do it. Um, so, no, I mean, you look at this. The, the, my big takeaways, one, outside of the LA Galaxy are really injured. Um, and outside of Roman Alessandrini exiting in the 20th minute, 20th minute, which forced, by the way, Antuna over to the right side and Emmanuel Boateng to come on on the left side. It wasn't a bad fix for that. That's two speedy guys that did cause Chicago some time, uh, so, caused some problems. I would say my biggest thing about this game is that Chicago didn't finish their chances, and the Galaxy got lucky because of that. But the fight that the Galaxy showed um, to come back in the second half is also an important takeaway from, from this particular game. Well, you know, my takeaway, and it was in it, for those of you who read the paper, both of you, um, you saw this story. But for the millions who didn't, um, basically, my takeaway was this: the start of the uh, the Scalotto era looked a lot like the era that preceded it, in that the Galaxy took the field, uh, missing many key players to injury. Uh, they uh, made a mistake, which gave up the first goal, fell behind on a defensive error, right. were unable to finish their chances. And then they wind up winning the game on a goal by Ibrahimovic. That just seems to sort of – that definitely was the uh, the script they followed for most of last year. And, and it seemed to have been the same script for the start of this year. Outplayed, they get lucky. Zolotan scores a – this time wasn't a miraculous goal, but it was a good goal. Scores the goal, wins the game in, in the last minute. You know, he had seven game-winning goals last year, most in the conference. Starts off this season with a game-winning goal in the first game. Yeah, uh, it, should be, uh, it should be noted that Zlatan Ibrahimovic currently tied – uh, for the lead in LA Galaxy goals with none other than Dan Steris, who got the first one. And we can talk about Efrain Alvarez, which was another really big moment um, and a big take from here is that Alvarez was was absolutely exactly what the LA Galaxy needed. And at 16 years old, you were worried about the moment and whether or not he could succeed in it. Um, you know, Scalotta did a good job, I think, of putting him into a situation where he could only succeed. What are you going to lose by more? And that's Alvarez's fault? No, you're not. So if you go in there and you put him in a place where uh, where he can he can have some success, um, I thought Alvarez came on and did exactly what they needed. Nothing bigger than the first goal to Dan Stares. Um, and that's the ball gets bounced back out to him. He gets it. You have uh, Katai from Chicago, a really good player, comes out to mark him. 
and Alvarez shifts his hips and sends Katai the wrong direction, um, and then is running towards the uh, the touchline there, Kevin. And if you or I are running towards the touchline, one, that's something to talk about because you and I are both running, uh, and two, we would have hit that with our right foot, our outside, uh, the inside of our right foot to curl it away from, you know, uh, Alstead um, to try and keep it away from him, from David Alstead, the the Chicago goalkeeper. So you're trying to do that, but instead. What Alvarez does is just, again, shifts his hips again and moves the ball onto his left foot. And with the time and space that he had, he flicks this little left-footed cross that I do not have in my repertoire or never had in my repertoire. And quite honestly, I don't think half the Galaxy players out there on the field have that have that ability to flick the ball like he did right to Dan Starez's head. And Starez buries it into the back of the net after Starez had really kind of missed a fourth-minute chance where he hit it right at Alstead. Um, I think either on a set piece or on a corner kick. One of those things sort of had to come through too. So you had Dan Starris leveling the game. But I mean, the the big thing that everybody wants to talk about, Kevin, and, and it's rightfully so, is that, you know, a 16-year-old, Efrain Alvarez, who has been lauded as the, the, the best LA Galaxy Academy product uh, in history, um, comes out and does exactly what he needed to do to spark that comeback. He gets the assist. Uh, in the first one, and in the second one, he's part of the play that eventually frees Chris Pontius, who racked the underside of the crossbar and allows Zlatan Ibrahimovic to come up and get the rebound and knock it in. I mean, yeah, that, and and Alvarez gets the hockey assist on that one. He, but he how does about it. This? No hockey assist. No hockey assist. Comes off the crossbar. No, no second assist for him. The, the official score sheet listed him as an assist. By it, the way, they, they do, it does not. The, the score sheet, the score sheet they handed out in the press box because yeah, yeah, I actually looked at that. I thought the same thing. It's a shot. How can you get an assist on a shot that didn't go in? But he was listed as the assist. Uh, hopefully they took that down. But the point I wanted to make is the guy who was the player of the game, you know, he could not go to an R-rated movie without his parents or Ibra as his uh, adult guardian. Right. He has to take Ibra yeah. with him. Yep. Yep. It, it definitely couldn't go to an RC-17, uh, RC-17, uh, NC-17 movie. That's adults only. But So he would have to go to the movie theater with, with Ebra to get in to see a, uh, an R-rated movie, and he just won an MLS game. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's everything that you wanted from him. I mean, that, that's how it is. Now, here's the big, here's the big talking point that comes from this, um, is that everybody's now saying, oh, wait, well, you, we have to manage our expectations. I don't know how many... How many times I saw it today on Twitter, we need to manage our expectations about, uh, you know, Efrain Alvarez. You don't want to give this guy too much in his head. You don't want to do all this. Okay, that's all BS. All right. Efrain Alvarez came out and gave us these expectations because he's good enough to play the way that you saw him play on Saturday. And the only thing you need to do now, and I've said it, I think, in a story, I've said it on Twitter, I'll say it everywhere else. The only thing you need to do now is manage his minutes. It's about what what situations you put him in for the rest of the year and how that works to make him better. You know, Guillermo Barrascolota was talking about it afterwards and said, listen, this guy is mature enough to that you think he's a 20, a 22 year old, a 24 year old player. Player. He goes, we just have to find a lot of times you have to put a young player in to sort of build the young player. And sometimes it's at the expense of the team. And Scalotto was saying that basically he doesn't believe that with Alvarez. He thinks that he's going to get playing time because he helps the team. And well, so a couple of things. You talked about what he said. He was like 21 or 22 year old, you know, mature beyond his years. But he also said you have to be careful that these guys don't read their press, press clippings and get ahead of themselves. So he was saying, yes, he's mature like a 22 year old, but he's also immature like a teenager that he's going to look at this and think that he's much better than he is. So it's kind of a difficult position, but uh, you know, another takeaway from this is that uh, 
DeClosa and, and Guillermo were doing exactly what they said they were going to do. They were going to allow young players to have a chance. If the situation warrants and the young player is is the guy they, they want on the field, they are going to play him. Uh, they could have played Efrain last year. Now he's 15. I'm not saying he would have had the same kind of uh, game, but – the point is they wanted to create an atmosphere where young players were confident that they would get a chance and they did it 60 minutes into the first game. Yeah, I mean it's that's that's a fun it's a fun thing to watch. And by the way, uh you know, he came onto the field with to loud applause, Kevin. Everybody was very well aware in the stadium that a 16-year-old was about to make his MLS debut and he did and then he comes out and he's able to affect it that way. I'll, I'll tell you, I thought he was he was really good. Um, well, it's a good thing it was a day game because it, it didn't go up past his bedtime. Yeah, I was going to say, they have to have those early starts for him. Is he, does he have to travel with a guardian whenever he goes on uh, away trips he, with the LA Galaxy might, now? And, and so so in Dallas, he starts and gets the captain's armband, right? No, no, no that's not going to happen. Anyway, let's go to some other things. Uh, the, you know, I think one of the other big takeaways is obviously that Roman exiting really hurt the LA Galaxy in terms of flow. They didn't really... Uh, bounce back until the second half, until that first goal sort of goes in. Uh, whenever Alvarez comes on, because of Roman exiting, and then Jonathan Dos Santos went down because he picked up a little bit of a knock. Um, it looked like a, something on his hip um, that he was working on, and it looked like maybe he would have to come out of the game as well. So the LA Galaxy, not Ibra's exactly. Hurt? Yeah, Ibra has the what? The Achilles he talked Achilles. about. He said he it came on in the tenth minute, so he got it out. 80 plus minutes with a bad Achilles. So so you're looking at Dallas now and going, okay, who's going to be healthy and how that's going to work? I'll tell you this about this game. I thought the defense was really solid. Outside of Polenta's giveaway, which is just, it was bad, all right? But it was like Stairs' giveaway against Colorado, and it was bad. Um, and in fact, Dan Stairs talked to me afterwards and said, listen, he goes, I thought our defense was actually pretty good. We limited them to shots, you know, mostly outside the box, which is true. The, I think they only got uh, one or two shots inside the box on goal. Um, whenever you look at the, the, the stats. So they did that, and, and Starris says, you know, it, he, he likes the way that the coaching staff has set this defense up, which is, you know, defend the box, defend the goal in terms of keep the players out of the box. This, this penalty box, nobody should come in here. And so you saw the one goal that gave away really was a, a bad back pass by Polenta, and I'm sure he'll get it. And Starris says, you know, he'll shake it off, he'll be fine. And he goes, and it didn't bother him because you saw him come out and make some really good passes, you know, coming out just right after that. So, I mean, it, it wasn't a long-term thing. It is, you know, sort of one of those things that, like you said, Kevin, it feels a lot like 2018, um, you know, with the bad defensive mistakes and that type of thing. But I think this Galaxy defense, which we saw through most of the preseason, was very solid um, on defense outside of Colorado game. You have to throw that one out. Um, I think that what we saw against Chicago was, okay, the defense is better than what we saw in 2018. And it's one game. And you can sort of throw some of the preseason in there. But, you know, how much better can they be? And will the LA Galaxy try to go after some of those other um, some other defenders to actually really reinforce that uh, that defense? Or are they sort of happy with where they're going to be? Um, so Dan Starr speaks to you? On occasion. On a, it was so, yeah. so somebody, has, somebody has to. There were so many people covering the game. Like I said, so many cameras that aren't normally there. I always say it's like people in my church on a holiday. Um, whenever there's so, there's there's all this press that is normally not there. There were so many people there. I bailed out of the Zlatan uh, uh, scrum and let you guys handle that one. And I went and was like, hey, let me talk to Dan Stairs. He did score a goal, which, by the way, showing that I am totally in like first game mode as well. Talked to Dan Stairs for about five or six minutes. Gave me some great stuff on the defense. Never asked him about him scoring a goal. Oops. Well, he's a defender. But um, <laughs> it, we brought up all the injuries. So to, to recount, we got, uh, you know, Janino, Perry Kitchen, 
right? They're out. Uh, Sebastian Legette. Yep. Just still trying. Uh, by the way, Perry Kitchen will be out probably at least a month. Uh, we don't know about Janino. Uh, Sebastian uh, He's, thought that he was he had a chance to play this week, and he really didn't. He may perhaps uh, be able to play a few minutes in Dallas. But as far as the other injuries, the one that we know about that came up this week, uh, Ramon Alessandrini, and then uh, it looked like Jonathan was having some problems, right. and and Ibra with the Achilles. We don't. They didn't train today. Uh, there was no media availability, so we don't know how those guys are. Hopefully, we'll find out a little bit tomorrow. And by the way, Jonathan had a great game passing. He completed every pass he made in the first half. Yeah, uh, and slowed down a little bit in the second half with maybe a little bit of fatigue. The grass got a little wetter, and 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 then the injury. But um, I, I thought he had a fantastic game. I, I thought Jonathan was was really good. I thought that um, you know Antuno, who we haven't talked a whole bunch about, but I thought Antuno was really good. Uh, he's really fun to watch, and and he's one of the things. I'll say this: Chris Pontius comes back and totally affects the game. As much as Alvarez coming in, Pontius comes in, wins that game for the LA Galaxy. Um, his ability to connect with Alvarez and then his shot that just clips. I mean, it was unlucky. He should have probably scored that. <laughs> And that should have been the game winner, but it bounces off the underside of the bar and, and Ebra jumps on it. So that was good. I'll say this about Cuello, and I know we talked about him um, a little bit. You know, he was in over his head How saying that, however, and he didn't have a good game. It wasn't a good game from Cuello at all. But saying that towards the, the end, just before he got subbed out, he made two really good turns and really good passes. So he was... He was building into the game. That's all for for a kid who's a rookie. This is his first professional. This is a professional debut. He's starting. Uh, he's got guys like Bastian Schweinsteiger and Zlatan Ibrahimovic on the field. This is a big deal for him. Um, so him coming in and building and growing into that game is a good sign. And I think he probably still gets a start in Dallas whenever you look at it because you're not going to start Alvarez. Alvarez needs to be put into positions where he can succeed, in my opinion. Um, so we'll see sort of how it is. But depending on who's healthy going into Dallas, Kevin, that'll be you know sort of the, the, the main driver, the main takeaway there. Um, the other guy who had a really good game, who, cannot, who should not be underestimated, uh, David Bingham had a, had a really good game. Uh, made, I think, four saves on the night. Two of them were, were difficult saves uh, and kept the LA Galaxy in the game. You know, the one that got by him certainly wasn't his fault. Um, so again, we started, we get into that. But, you know, David Bingham, and I've seen lots of people say that he doesn't deserve to be on this team, um, which I think is a ridiculous statement, was one of the better goalkeepers in Major League Soccer over this weekend. And the Galaxy were lucky that he was there. Did not make the save of the game, though. No, that was that was David Alstead on the on that on, was an incredible save on Zlatan's shoulder slash ball. Now Scott French, uh, of course, of MLSsoccer.com and, and a whole bunch of other things. Uh, Scott French is convinced it would have been called the handball, but there's the one view from the camera inside the goal uh, that was there for Fox. Uh, Fox Sports One was uh, FS1 was doing the game. There's one that looks like it's not a handball. There's a bunch that make it look like it was, but if it would have gone in, it certainly would have been uh, questioned about whether or yeah, not they would have they would have reviewed it if it gone in. They didn't review it because didn't go in and it was a moot point yep absolutely so uh so that was there um but no i i really think that there was uh there was some good performances there's also the fact that the la galaxy you know probably should have lost this game chicago had chances inside the box and didn't finish um and so if you look at the expected uh, points per game basically uh from the galaxy and from chicago you had the la galaxy who won uh the game two to one with 102 expected points um, and then Chicago had 113.3, and basically it's just rating the scoring chances. Um, the adjusted chance expected goals is basically what it is, and it's a point system and how that works. And you look at Chicago, Chicago got into the quote-unquote danger zone four times. The LA Galaxy got into the danger zone twice.
place. Um, one of those non-danger zone goals um, actually came out outside of that danger zone, outside of that point system, and so uh, that was the, the second goal, the game winner. So the LA Galaxy kind of, basically what this tells us, without going too much into it, is that it tells us the LA Galaxy got outplayed in that game, and in a way, they did. Um, well, you know, so much of these analytics are ridiculous that you kids get off of my lawn now uh, with this analytics stuff. Um, the, the the big takeaway, the point you're trying to make is the Galaxy probably should have and could have lost this game, but they didn't. And you know what? If you're a good team and you're going to be a winning team and you're going to be a playoff team, what that means is you need to win games that you should have lost. So the Galaxy have already done that once in one game. That is a good thing. That is, they thought, whether it was luck, whether it was uh, Chicago was a bad team, whether the Galaxy gutted it out, however you want to put it, I think we can both agree that it was a game that they should have lost and that they won, and that's a good thing, and you need to do that to make the playoffs. Uh, if you go back to 2018, this is the same scoreline the LA Galaxy ended up beating the Portland Timbers in in the season opener uh, last year, a 2-1 to one scoreline. Uh, the LA Galaxy do it again. The LA Galaxy in 24 seasons, Kevin, this is the 11th time the LA Galaxy have opened the season with a win. They've drawn five times and lost eight, so 11-5-8 and eight in 24 uh, season openers, which is, uh, I don't know, it's interesting. I, I thought it was interesting that almost, um, if you say 16 times, basically, 16 times out of 24, so more than half, uh, whenever you look at it, the LA Galaxy have walked away with a point or more um, at their season opener. So I don't you, know. you could have said um, two-thirds of the time, by the way. Yeah, I could have. That's, a lot, that's a lot of math, though. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't want to go completely off the off the rim. Uh, the the hammer uh, also responded after I said that Daniel Steris was tied with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, uh, Eric, the Portuguese hammer, Vieira tweeted and said that you could also be framed as Daniel Steris is tied for third place for MLS Golden Boot. Only trails Jordan Morris and Michael Bradley. By the way, Jordan Morris was your uh, your MLS Player of the Week as voted on by the North American Soccer Reporters and uh, by a now fan vote. So you can go out there and vote as well. It's Voted, uh, weighted 75% towards uh, towards the media and 25% towards the fans. So that's fair because we're 75% heavier than most fans. Yeah, I was gonna say it's they should probably give the fans more of a. We're usually full of it. Uh, we tend to we tend to look at things uh, a little bit differently than fans. So yeah, the fan vote was interesting. That um, you know it was just looking at everybody who had who had sort of won. It was uh, Darwin Quintero finished second, got most of the fan vote. Um, I actually had him as my number one. Um, I did too. He had a goal and two assists. He 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 had a hand in all three goals that Minnesota won their first game of the season. Uh, you know, beat a good team. I I thought he was the guy. Yeah, I, that was. I had I had those two. I had. Uh, well, it, it goes to show you that the second place vote is is important sometimes. Uh, because I had Jordan Morris as my second, and then probably Michael Bradley um, as my third. And you know, you I, I had going. Morris second. We didn't get to pick a third. I think I actually would have picked Alvarez, a 16 year old coming off the bench. To, uh, you know, to set up two goals in the game, they won two to one. Um, I picked Jordan Morris second because just he hadn't played in how long because of the injury and coming in his first game and scored two goals to lead his team uh, back from a deficit on Ziggy Schmidt night in Seattle. I thought that was pretty big. Yeah, it was. It is pretty interesting. All right, we went over the injuries. Uh, let's hit some of the rumors now. Pamela Anderson coming to the LA Galaxy. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, it's. A, Have it, you mentioned that? It's news. It's news. What can I tell you? Um, so let's go over. I would like to point out that I have revamped the rumor tracker now. 
um, on the Corner of the Galaxy website. It's only because the other one got so ridiculously heavy with all those embedded links and everything else that it was difficult to edit. And if in case you really wanted to know, uh, WordPress upgraded to blocks at some point, and that sort of made the old one useless unless I wanted to convert it to blocks, and nobody was spending three hours doing that. So we have a new in-season 2019 rumor tracker, and it's important now because, of course, as we told you, the LA Galaxy have two international slots open, um, and they are rumored to be going after, you know, what I think is going to be a center back, certainly looking at the the rumors that we've seen, I think they're going to go after a center back uh, to be able to pair with Polenta. Um, although I would argue that I think Daniel Stairs has been doing just fine. And maybe you don't need to spend the money on a center back. Uh, maybe you need some depth at right back. Maybe you need some depth at uh, left back, but maybe not at center back. Maybe we'll see. Uh, but they're going after center back. And then I would really like to see the LA Galaxy. And I think they're in need of one go after a central attacking midfielder as well, because they really need somebody who's going to play underneath Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And you could get somebody pretty experienced for $1.5 million a year uh, if you wanted to do that. So having said all that and looking at all the different uh, things, we have some rumors. Uh, the first ones are older ones, so I'll get those first. Um, just talking again about we, we, we brushed these off at one point, Kevin, because the Galaxy didn't have the cap space, didn't have the roster room, didn't have the international slots, but they have all of that stuff now. So you can sort of go back and visit these. But again, uh, Sebastian Villa from Boca Juniors, uh, a guy who has been playing a whole bunch Bo for, for Boca Juniors. He's 22 years old. Um, he is a, a guy who really could come in and, and help the LA Galaxy. He's a right winger. Um, maybe you'd have to come on loan. However, they ended up working it out. We'd have to see. But you, you say right winger and say, you know, hey, we there's a million midfielders. But with Allison, no, I Drini, say right winger. I hear you say right winger, and I think of someone who sports Trump. Uh, oh yes, no, no, not not that way. Different, different kind. Okay, I, sorry. I would imagine. I would imagine not. I don't know. Maybe maybe he is a Trump fan. I have no idea. I don't want to put words in the man's mouth. I would imagine he's not. Uh, 22 years old. Uh, a guy who could fill in on right wing. Maybe he's an answer for you know an Allison Drini guy who can't seem to stay healthy a lot lately. Somebody people were calling Allison Drini Mr. Glass. Um, I can understand that looking at some of the injuries that he's had, and he was part of that last year. The designated player is not playing, Kevin. He was he was a large part of that as well, uh, being injured, but ended up, I think, ended up playing, uh, you know, 22 or 23 games, maybe even as much as 24, 26. I'll look it up while Kevin talks. So that was one of them um, that we looked at. I don't know how realistic any of these are, but that one seems like that might not be um, on the cards. The other one is uh, winger Ricardo Centurion. Um, this is a, this one is a, is a tough one. Uh, this is a guy who got, who got sent down to like the reserve squad, Kevin, because he pushed his coach during a game. Uh, also a guy who I've been told has a history or, or at least history of allegations of domestic violence, but also apparently has some, some, um, support in Guillermo Barros-Scalotto who has talked about him as a really good player before. So whether or not the LA Galaxy go and acquire, uh, Centurion is, a, is, is certainly an interesting one. Um, and then the, uh, the defender who we've talked about before, Giancarlo Gonzalez to the LA Galaxy. Um, this is a guy who would require an allocation slot and would require, um, the LA Galaxy, um, you know, going up and, and moving that and, and doing that and having an international slot to do. So they need an international slot, which they have, and they didn't have before. And he would have to come in and out on allocation because he's a former Columbus crew um, defender. And he's been playing abroad with, um, let's see if I I'm reading it again is with Palermo um, in Italy's Serie A. So again, something to keep eye on now for the guy who we really wanted to get to talk to, and the guy who has a link to Pamela Anderson, uh, Adil Rami 
is the guy. He currently plays at Marseille, and I know of a reporter who just visited Marseille not too long ago. And I actually talked to him. He seems to be a very popular player with the fans. He's actually on loan from Valencia through June 2021. Um, uh, is rumored to, to uh, be interested in a move to MLS. Uh, he's played 13 games this year and, ju- and, and just recently played uh, several, uh, had a long span where he played 90 minutes in every game. So he's a guy that's played a lot for Marseille this year. Marseille is really battling to try to get into the Europa League, if not uh, get one of the the French League spots into the Champions League, so they're kind of in a in a in a tight race. Uh, they need all the points they can get. This is a guy that they've played a lot. Again, I said he's played 13 games. Um, it, he seems to be a valuable guy, a guy that, that that you would think that they would want to keep if they're really making a push to to get that Champions League spot. Um, I did. I was in Marseille I, again. I did talk to him. I, I did talk to fans about him. He's somebody that they really like there. Um, and I did talk to a reporter when I heard this rumor, and I said, "You hearing anything about this?" And he said, "No, not a word. And he hasn't heard any rumors. There's been no chatter around the team. He said he was going to check into it, but from the people on the ground in Marseille, and this was a reporter that covers the team on a daily basis, told me that he hasn't heard anything like that. So, well, well and uh, and we get to the best part of it though is that he is apparently romantically involved with Pamela Anderson. Yes, that Pamela Anderson of Baywatch fame. Uh, of of Tommy Lee and and Pamela Anderson, um, she's eighteen years older than him, by the way. Yeah, she's fifty one and he's thirty three. Is that is yeah 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 fifty one and thirty three. That's that's well, she, he could actually be hit her son. Yes, yes, absolutely. There there is a you know here there is an Ephraim Alvarez in between them. Yeah, they, <laughs> I don't know if you want to say that, but okay. <laughs> There's a Julian Araujo in between them actually. <laughs> <laughs> Julian, uh, uh, yes, yes. Uh, Pam Leonard was, uh, yeah. Uh, never mind. No, you didn't want to do it. You, you just, you just, yeah, want, I just want to do it, but I won't. You, you just let it go. Let it slide. That's fine. I understand. We're good. We're gonna let it go. But anyway, those are the. I'll, I'll tell you. I don't find any of these in the warm category. I, I categorize some as not quite warm or not as cold as before. Um, it's just because it, they make more sense now with the LA Galaxy's current room. Um, we're going to find out and hear more, and you know maybe it comes down rather quickly. Maybe we find out something here in the next couple of days. Um, the LA Galaxy, we know, are moving on somebody. Um, you know, Dennis DeClosa said that they had somebody in mind, they knew who it was, and it was just a matter of how quickly they could bring that person in. So he wouldn't give us details or, 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 or any specificity on, on which which place they were looking for and and Guillermo Barrascoloto came out and said oh you know I'd love to have a striker or a midfielder or a defender and you're like oh okay that's everybody so that doesn't really I guess he's happy with his goalie he likes David I like David Bingham I think David Bingham is going to do just fine but yes um you know looking at all those and and seeing that you're like yeah okay that that makes some sense and that works but anyway uh those are the rumors that are out there right now and we'll just have to see um sort of where they go the LA Galaxy's uh schedule by the way um Oh, I forgot. I gotta tell. I gotta say this about uh, Rami, because um, uh, John Rojas tweeted at us and, and sort of did some, uh, I think, some translating and some different things. Uh, Rami and he, he he translated this. It says Rami and Rolando formed the most porous defense. Rami and Gustavo forced Garcia, um, who was the who's the coach, uh, to trust youth. Rami has not seen uh, many minutes during his recovery because he was coming back off of an injury not too long ago, um, and he was apparently approached by MLS after the World Cup and could be tempted to leave by the end of the season given his relationship with uh with pamela anderson as we said so um there we go there that's what i want to make sure we cover so all right pamela anderson is the linchpin to this deal because she's in malibu it makes sense 
I mean, we come on. If you don't, you want to go move to be closer to what Pamela is, Anderson. What does this mean for the future of Becky G as the number one wag in the galaxy? I think Becky still holds the number one. I mean, you know, you're going to some old school wag with with with. Pamela Anderson. I think, you know, the younger groups are really going to... So if they had an old-timers day. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds bad, too. I don't know. I'm going to stop talking. I think we're almost we had, done. We had Posh in the house on Saturday. She was there and looking as wonderful as always. Uh, Mrs. Beckham was there. Her name is Mrs. Beckham or Victoria, not Posh. Has show some respect. Um, what about Mrs. Robbie Keane? Mrs. Robbie Keane was there um, looking uh, stunning as always. Um, she's a, Miss Ireland or? A or... former Miss Ireland, I believe. Okay. Yes, that's absolutely correct. Uh, she's always like seven inches taller than Robbie Keane, which I enjoy immensely. And it makes me it makes me laugh. Do um, we need to explain what wags mean? Uh, wives and girlfriends. Yeah, that's a British term. It is a British term. Um, yeah, but uh, I don't know. I'm sure people people knew that one. Uh, weekly schedule for the LA Galaxy off on Monday. Uh, training Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Travel to Dallas. Saturday, March 9th, 12.30 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. The LA Galaxy versus FC Dallas. This game on Univision and Unamas. So don't be looking for it on ESPN+. Plus. Don't be looking for it on Spectrum. And I think they some, I think the, the Univision ones, they actually show on Twitter as well. Don't quote me on 100% on that, but I'm pretty sure that's there. <coughs> Excuse me. So the LA Galaxy is showing, by the way, <laughs> that they will play the game on Saturday. It looks like they're going to return either Saturday or Sunday morning, and then they will train on Sunday, Kevin. Um, that's wow. what it's showing. I know. That's what it's showing right now. So, But by the way, the travel is one day before, just like Zlatan wanted, um, which is my guess is they, tra they train in the morning and then travel to Dallas in the afternoon and that they're ready for the game on Saturday. Zlatan probably wants to travel the day of the game. I, I found out, you know, granted the, 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 the countries are a lot smaller, but when I was in Barcelona, Barcelona told me they were going to play a road game this particular Saturday and that they were going to fly the morning of the game. They fly the day of the game. Uh, they go to a hotel. They rest in the hotel, have their meetings, their team meal, go out and play the game and then fly back. So basically they wake up in Barcelona and they go to sleep in Barcelona and play a game in another city in between. And granted, and, and apparently a lot of the English teams do something similar to that. I was actually in Manchester uh, once when Arsenal came to play Manchester City, uh, we know who won that game. And uh, the Arsenal team actually stayed at our hotel. So they they did stay overnight. They came and stayed overnight. But that's what Zalatan's talking about. He's used to waking up in his bed and, and going back to sleep in the same bed and playing a game on the road. That just doesn't work when you have to do commercial flights. We've heard a number of stories. DC United was uh, had this problem in Montreal where where they actually went to the airport in their commercial flight because all MLS teams fly commercial. Commercial flight was canceled. They had to go home and then come back and try the next day and fly on game day. So that's why even if the Galaxy were going to San Jose, they can't risk that and fly on the day of the game because if the flight's canceled, then they forfeit the game. Yeah, yeah, that's always interesting. Uh, yeah, MLS travel continues to be you know one of those things that I think we'll continue to pound on. Um, as something that this league needs to continue to take a look at every single year and whether or not it makes sense uh, with all the teams and they go to charter travel for everybody. Um, you know, I, I know you well, did a story it, on it, Kevin. When Don Garber finally saw the light last year, uh, he had a, a commercial flight canceled and he was trying to get somewhere and he said, you know, we, it, it, we need to start thinking about charters. And it was like, we've been telling you that for years, <laughs> but when you're affected, all of a sudden it's charters are a good idea. That's how it works. Um, charters were always a good idea. Now, are they expensive? Yes, but what are we, if we're talking about uh, when I mentioned it to somebody, speaking of PSG, where David Beckham posed for his statue, right. when I mentioned it on my trip to someone at PSG, we were talking about how PSG travels, and I mentioned that you know, uh, the Galaxy went to Chicago two days ahead of time because they flew commercial. 
this guy was just blown away that the idea that a they had to go two days early and that they flew commercial he he just could not believe he couldn't get his hand his hands around the idea that a major professional sports league had their teams fly commercial and it goes back to when bruce arena was coach and i went on a road trip with the galaxy to sort of document how they travel bruce arena refused to allow any players to wear any galaxy uh clothing and no no polo shirts no uh, no warm-up jackets, nothing that said LA Galaxy on it because he was he was embarrassed that the team uh, had to fly that way and had to travel that way. And uh, when one passenger saw a, a bunch of young guys together, obviously as a group, asked AJ De La Garza if it was a was an athletic team, and he said, "No, we're a boy band." So even <laughs> yes. players wouldn't admit that uh, they were a sports team. Yep, uh, yep. It's one of those things. It'll be continue to uh, be one of those flags that MLS will eventually have to like plant in the ground and say, "Okay, we're going to fly charters now." And that maybe is the the birth of it being a, a real professional league. So we'll, uh, we'll 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 keep talking about it. It's something that'll continue to re- rear its ugly head, especially with the bad weather that's going on out there right now. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. All right, hey, maybe when we get that bullet train. Yeah, <laughs> bullet train to San Jose. Yeah, yeah. Keep waiting on that. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. FC Dallas again coming up this Saturday, March 9th, twelve thirty p.m. Pacific time. Univision and Unamas uh, on Thursday night at seven p.m. We of course will have our live. So Eric, the Portuguese hammer, back in studio with me. So we'll get you ready for that game and pick pick you up and get you caught up on all of the LA Galaxy news that has happened from this podcast up to that podcast. So uh, I think that's it, Kevin. Anything else you want to get to? What's Dallas's record right now? Uh, I have no idea. I bet they drew. They did, one-to-one. Yep. They I, scored in the 13th minute, Michael Barrios, and then they gave up a goal early in the second half to New England. LA Galaxy currently sitting in third in the Western Conference and fifth overall in the Supporters' Shield, just in case, after one they, game. How can they be third when they're unbeaten? I don't know. They go into the tiebreakers even early now, and they're sort of like, here, do this. I have no idea. It, it, whatever. It's just, it's a thing. It's a thing. It doesn't matter. It's just a thing. I just thought I'd point it out. Um, maybe that's as high as the LA Galaxy will get. You don't know. This, this, talking about the WAGs, maybe the next set of statues will be WAG statues. Oh, my gosh. We're, 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 I think we're done. All right. And if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. And, of course, you can go over to the LA Times website where Kevin does all of his wonderful work covering soccer in Southern California, including LAFC and, of course, U.S. Women's National Team, U.S. Men's National Team soccer around the United States as well. Follow Kevin, KBaxter11, on Twitter. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGuessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and, of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerthegalaxy.com where you can get all of our podcasts, our written articles, our videos, and please support us. Click on that shop button, buy a scarf, buy a t-shirt. Uh, Best in the Galaxy t-shirts open until March 13th, so you're running out of time for the second and and uh, the second printing of that. And we'll have some news on the t-shirts coming up as well. Alright, for Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Arajo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.